0: guys, welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. As always, my name is Evan Smoke. I'm your resident fire and I'm a second year student here at the University of Georgia. About three hours southeast of me in the good old city of Statesboro. We've got the local ice and Bryce Wheeler. We got a great show for you tonight as we preview the NBA. We look back on this weekend and last week in the MLB playoffs. We're going to talk about college football and NFL per usual as we outlook the rest of this season and more. Well guys, Bryson, how are we doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great, and I'm just going to say like I did last week again, we've got a long podcast, but a lot of great content. NBA opening up tomorrow night. Like you said, baseball just getting to the heat of it. College football, not too much to talk about, and then NFL a good bit. So it's going to be a great podcast to just wait up.
0: Yes, awesome. I know there's got to be somebody standing by with a trivia question. Who's that tonight? Uh, I think Jackson's got us, and
1: Noah wants to participate as well in the uh, answering. Me and you are tied
0: six all, correct? Correct. Okay. Hit us, Jackson. All right. With the NBA coming up this week, Oh, I get I've it. got a basketball question for you. I give up. Here we go. The infamous question, how many teams did Shaq play for? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Six. Eight. Six.
1: Six. Bam! <laughs> I don't know. I was just <laughs> randomly guessing. I couldn't name one outside the Magic and Lakers.
0: Magic, Lakers, Cavs, Celtics, Suns, Heat. Heat.
1: Okay, fair. All right, so you're up 7-6. Um, l- Let's jump into some baseball real quick. And the first thing I want to say, one word, Jocktober. Jock Peterson has been a heck of a pickup for the Braves and is – Kind of carrying the team in the postseason right now, he he in uh, two of the games in the first series was the only offense that we had, and he had, had another huge homer last night. And he's just been carrying us. Another guy who's been really good for us has been Max Freed, and he outdueled the Dodgers bullpen yet in Game One. So, what are your thoughts on those two players
0: right now? Well, Max Fried is always you know, been a great pitcher, but we kind of expected him to level up into that ace role with Mike Soroka out for the whole year. He's done a phenomenal job with that. I know Charlie Morton's had a great season, but Max Reed has had a quietly but very stellar. Uh, I guess this would be his third season. <coughs> in um, but we very appreciated a Max Reed, you know, looking back on that deal. Uh, he was in the Padres deal that sent, I'm pretty sure Melvin Upton out there. Yeah, uh, I think be- it
1: was him and Kimber.
0: Yeah, so – You know, I think it was a good trade-off for the future. Uh, Definitely like the Max Freedom seeing right now. And and I'll I'll come out and say it. I was very wrong about Jock Peterson when we made that trade at the deadline. I thought we gave up on Bryce Ball a little too early for, you know, a kind of nothing piece. And, you know, he had that really good run at the beginning, and then he went quiet for a couple weeks. And now he's just roared back. So, you know, hit and miss, but he's definitely come up in the clutch. So I will take back all of my words that I said about Peterson when we made that trade initially. And I think someone else who's doing really good for us is Eddie Rosario. We could talk a little bit about that as we move into game two.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that. And the thing about the Jock Peterson trade, I remember when it happened, I, I wasn't too high on Jock, but I said that was kind of the piece we needed. We just needed a power bat in the middle of the lineup. Yes, he's going to strike out a lot. Yes, he's not going to hit for good average. But he's going to add some of that pop in the middle of the lineup that we need, and he's done exactly that. Another guy who has done that for the Braves, surprisingly, this year is Austin Riley. You know, people were calling for him to be the MVP. Will he? No. Should he be top five? Absolutely. And he walks us off in game one and then has another huge game time home or game time double last night. So, what are your thoughts on what he's done?
0: It was almost a homer. I mean, I think Austin Riley has solidified himself as a third baseman of the. Not that there was any really doubts, but there was a couple questions, you know, going into the offseason was like, Is he going to make that next step? Is he going to level up from a good third baseman to a great third baseman? Is he going, you know, perfect his defense? Is he going to hit better? Is he going to? Is he going to become more of an average person versus a power bat? And every question we had for Austin Riley going into this season, he's answered with flying colors. He's becoming a clutch after clutch after clutch in this postseason. And the down the stretch when we needed those wins, Austin Riley was providing some great hits, great games for us. You know, selfless play over at third base and at the plate. I mean, he's really just developed into a top three player on this team.
1: Yeah, I agree. And his defense has been phenomenal as well this year. And the next thing I want to talk about is last night, my, Max Scherzer was absolutely dominating the Braves until Jock Peterson's homer. That's the Max or the Max Scherzer that we expected to see. We were at Buffalo Wild Wings when the game started, and we were like, oh, gosh, it's going to be a hard night tonight. I looked at Jackson Noah. I said, we're scoring at least two off of him. Well, Jock Peterson homer scores two, knocks him out the next inning. And that's exactly what the Braves need just to get to that bullpen. So, what's your outlook for the rest of the series?
0: Well, uh, I, it goes back to Atlanta at least. I don't think the Braves are able to take two out of three in L.A. Um, I think game six is going to be the big one. I think we're going to be up three to two. And if you win game six, you know, you obviously win the series. But I don't think if it goes to a seven, you win. Um, I think the biggest keys to the series is you're going to have to – you're going to need more offense. And I know that's a weird statement to say, but we're getting like one – we're leaving runners in scoring position. We're giving up too many – we're getting too many walks, not bringing them home, you know. And I think the other thing is going to be your bullpen pitching. Your bullpen, you're going to live and die by it. It's been the whole season. You're going to live by it, you know, these first two games of this series and the two – and, the you know, the Brewers series. But there was multiple times – and strength during the year where the Bulls are killing you. Uh, I think the biggest thing really is for the key to this series is can the Braves offense compete? Because I know me and my dad were talking about it tonight. You're going to have a game where the Dodgers are probably going to bash you a 10 to 2. There's just going to be a game where the Dodgers offense lights up, and no matter how good you're pitching, you're just not going to be able to stop it. So the question becomes in a game where it's like five runs by the Dodgers, can you score six? I would right now probably take the Braves in six. Dodgers in you
1: cut out there on the last part after you said you'd probably go to the Braves six. What'd you say?
0: I said I'd probably take the Braves in six, but don't be surprised if it's Dodgers in any quantity.
1: Okay. Well, I agree with that. I think I'm going to go with the Braves in six as well. I think we do drop two of three in L.A., and then I think we come back here and just finish business before we even get to a game seven. Last year was a lot different. People were comparing it to last year. Oh, I'm scared. We blew 3 one lead. And while this series far from over, this is not the same team. Now, is it the same team offensively? No, it's not. We're missing Ronald Acuna and Ozuna and some other pieces. But this team – pitching-wise, is so much better prepared. Last year, our three, four, five-game starters were Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, and A.J. Minter. Wright is in AAA, Wilson is doing who knows what, and Minter is in the bullpen. So this team is so much better prepared. So I just think I, – I think we've got a good shot to win this in six – and if it, I may even go to game six or seven. So, that's going to be both of our picks as of right now. Let's flip over to the other series real quick and talk about the Astros and Red Sox. The Astros take game one behind a bullpen game and strong offensive game. The Astros have looked really good offensively, but their pitching staff has been terrible. Their starting pitching in this uh, series alone has a 20.25 ERA. But game two, the Red Sox dominated with two grand slams by J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers. And right now, let me let me give a quick score update. It was not okay. It's eleven to three Red Sox right now in the seventh inning. So the Red Sox are probably going to take game three and be up two to one in the series. What's your outtake on the rest of that series?
0: I think right now I'm taking the Red Sox pretty comfortably. I mean, I, I think they might win this thing in five or six. Um, I don't – right now with the way that the Red Sox bats are popping off the Astros pitching, the Astros really haven't looked that great. Um, I think I'm going to take the Sox pretty comfortably here in five or six.
1: Yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I just feel like this Astros team is just too good. This Red Sox team has not impressed me all year. They've, have, they've been phenomenal. Good record. Surprising me in the playoffs, but this team on paper does not look that good. I am going to go the Red Sox, but I'm going to say it goes to seven.
0: All right. So, with that being said, we're both taking Red Sox or both taking Braves. So who you got in the World Series?
1: Well, you know, before it all started, I had the Rays over the Braves in the World Series. Just because, like I said, I've not been a believer in this Red Sox team the whole year. I'm going to take the Braves. I think that we get it done.
0: Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, (laughs) that makes the most logical sense. I just – I don't like it. Like, I don't – yeah, I just – I'm not a believer in this Atlanta team. Like, and maybe I'm wrong because maybe the most Atlanta championship ever would be a team that don't deserve it. Like, I mean, the Hawks almost did it. So, I mean, why can't the Braves?
1: Yeah, I agree, and one more thing I want to touch on the Braves is how phenomenal the bullpen has been lately, and especially Will Smith. Will Smith's a guy that we've kind of hated on, and rightfully so before the playoffs. He was struggling, but uh, he has been phenomenal. His last 11 outings, he has gave up three hits. He has walked – I think it's – one or two guys, it's not many at all, and he's eight for eight in saves in his last 11 outings. So he's been pitching really good. Matt Zick, yes, he struggled last night, but before that he had been good. Luke Jackson's been solid. A lot of other guys have really stepped up this year for them. You got anything else you want to talk about for baseball?
0: Not really, just it will be interesting to see how the next week plays out.
1: Yeah, sure will. All right, well, let's hop into some NBA, and the first thing I want to talk about here is I want you to give us a rundown of the Hulk season this year?
0: All right, so we're coming off a very improbable run to the Eastern Conference Finals, and the question really surrounding Atlanta is, can we prove that it wasn't a fluke, or are we going to fall right back into mediocrity? Um, really no big off-season changes. Um, you traded away some bench pieces. You brought in some bench pieces. You, know, you were able to retain Nate McMillan, so you're going to get a full season under him, a full off-season under him. I think both of that is going to work wonders for the Hawks. And I've seen us projected to finish as the number one seed all the way to the number eight seed. I have no idea where this Hawks team is going to finish myself. Um, You know, I think I I can't say that. I think Trey Young finally makes it all NBA team this season. I think he's very deserving of it. You can't tell me he's not one of the top 15 players in the league, the way he was playing, at least at the end of the year. I expect that to continue, Um, you know, Kevin herter has got a chance at sixth man of the year. He's he's a trendy p- outsider pick to win that award. Bogdan Bogdanovich had a very slow end of the year after a roaring you know a roaring finish into the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see if we can get him back. You're gonna hopefully have a full season healthy of Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Hopefully, both of them can progress and become better. You know than what we saw last year. Um, John Collins just got a monster contract. You know, hopefully he can live up to that and not uh, fall down like some athletes do when they get that max contract. And you still – you were able to retain Lou Will. I think he was a great back third piece. The new guys being Gorjow Ding and DeLon Wright, who are both seasoned veterans, who can play very good role minutes. Um, Both of those can help bring some veteran leadership. You're able to keep Solomon Hill, who plays good defense, but I think he's just a really good locker room guy. Um, And, yeah, like with the Hawks, you're going to – the Hornets, I think you're going to comfortably beat the Wizards. You're going to comfortably beat. I don't even want to talk about the bottom feeders that are the Orlando Magic. And if you want to win that Southeast Division again, you got to look for um, that team down in Miami with the restructured contracts of the Heat. So all that being considered, I'm taking Atlanta to easily not make the play in top six at least. I think we host something this year, but probably at the bottom end. I'd probably take us four behind the Bucks, the Nets. And probably the Celtics. Okay. Well,
1: yeah, I see where you come from. And I, I like the looks of this Hawks team. You know, young core getting better. And, you know, I don't follow NBA near as much as you. I watch the Hawks mostly, I don't watch much other than them. I'm, I am going to probably pick the Hawks around the five or six seed. I'm looking at the standings right now, and I think the 76ers, Nets, and Bucks probably all finish ahead. I think you do finish ahead of the Knicks this year, unlike last year. I think I think two of these three possibly could be ahead, at least one, though. The Heat, the Celtics, and the Bulls. I think the Bulls are going to be a very much improved team from last year. So, if I had to pick right now, I'd say the five or six seed for the Hawks.
0: Yeah, and, like, again, that's a very reasonable outlook. Like I said – I have no idea how this Hawks team is going to perform. Because the way they were playing at the end of the year, if that could translate into a full season, I would take us against any team. I mean, I, I really think we were we were on par for the Bucks before the Trey Young injury. I think that just destroyed that series. Not saying we could have won it, but we at least would have held more competitive games, you know, as that reached a conclusion. Um, I think we were just playing really good, but that also could have been a very fluke year, and, I, and I'm very much aware of that, so – It'll be interesting to see how we come out versus Luka Donich in the Mavs Thursday night. Um, hopefully I win tickets to that. I put my name at a giveaway, so fingers crossed. But, you know, I, I'm i going to be interested to see how it is, but I I feel very confident. Trey – but i just say one thing about the Hawks team. I think Trey Young finally gets the recognition he deserves. He should definitely have been an all-star last year like he was two years ago. He's definitely going to make that nod, and I think he finally gets on his first NBA all-team. Maybe not first or second. Maybe it's third, but he'll make a team. All right, well, do you have anything
1: else you want to run over NBA before we uh, jump into, like, a championship preview?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the 76ers are a dumpster fire right now with the Ben Simmons news. Even if he comes back, there's going to be some separation and stigma in that locker room. I think the Heat of the Bulls are very much improved, you know, with the Heat adding Kyle Lowry and some other role players and the Bulls practically revamping their entire starting lineup. I'm very interested to see how the Cleveland Cavaliers work with literally like 17 big men on their roster. I think Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are the only two guys that are considered non-big men on that team. Boston's got a very interesting outlook. You know, without a true point guard, can Marcus Spott step up to be a starting level? I think the rebuild in Toronto could go, you know, anywhere from a seventh seed to the 15th seed. Um, interesting to see how Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green work. There's a lot of points I'm excited about this season. I think Donovan Mitchell in Utah is a big thing to look at. I think if that team starts to underperform and underachieve, Donovan Mitchell might get shipped out of the trade deadline. There's a lot of animosity right now between Donovan Mitchell and that front office, and I think it all kind of stems back to the Rudy Gobert incident during the COVID outbreak. I think he was not too happy about that, and the you know the front office kind of had to patch things up by force. I don't think Donovan's ever really healed from that. And after, you know, repetitively losing when they're supposedly the number one or a top seed, it's kind of getting to it. Um, and it really depends on how are the 2012 All-Stars, I mean, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to perform. And the Phoenix Suns, can they come off their high and return and compete? Or was that a fluke as well? Out of all those things, I think there's a lot of storylines to watch. And I think the, probably the biggest, I know I just said the biggest, the biggest, probably the biggest, is to see how Luca does in Dallas because I think Luca might start to get some itchings to leave if this season doesn't go well.
1: Yeah, he's the odds-on favorite to win MVP at the moment at plus five hundred, so that's going to be interesting to see there with him. Okay, well, give us a championship preview.
0: Who are who do you think will be in the NBA Finals right now? All right. So everyone wants me to say that's Lakers. They're the odds-on favorite. I'm not going to disagree with that. I I don't know who would be there. But I'm calling it now, and they don't make it. One of them doesn't make it, if not both. Because I think both teams have serious problems. The Lakers are old as dirt. I mean, I know they're very good, and they're very talented, but they're old as dirt, and I just don't know if that team can really go through an 82 regular season and then a full playoff run. And I don't know if they're built for it. I don't know if Russell Westbrook's going to work well next to LeBron James. I don't know if Anthony Davis can stay healthy. I don't know if the entire bench cannot break a leg every two minutes and have to be sent to the nursing home. In the Nets, there's multiple problems. They lost a lot of role players from last year's team. They did replace them with some seasoned vets, but those seasoned vets have not had really productive minutes. I mean, people like LaMarcus Aldridge is coming out of retirement. There's people like Patty Mills, who's going to do really well, but he might have to start because Kyrie Irving decides he doesn't want to take a vaccine or report to practice or play in games. I mean, there's a lot of animosity between that front office and Kyrie Irving right now. DeAndre Jordan, uh, he's gone now, so they're really going to have to find a true center. It's Nick Claxton an everyday center up there for the Brooklyn Nets. Paul Bilsap's up there. Paul Bilsap hasn't played many full minutes since he left uh, you know, Atlanta in 2016 or 2017. I mean, there's a lot of holes in both of these teams. Yes, they're the most talented teams. Yes, they have really good coaching. Yes, they probably have the two best players in the league. I just don't think both of them are going to make it.
1: So, you're going who, – who were your two teams
0: that you're going? I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I have no idea. I mean, I think out of the East you could definitely see the Bucks. You could definitely see if Ben Simmons can come back with a jumps up the 76ers are stocked for. I'd probably take the Bucks as the second-best team out of the East, and I'd probably take the Nuggets as the second-best team out of the West. But All
1: right.
0: I, I don't think this – I don't think this season as – is as, you know, cut and dry as people are making it out to be in preseason predictions. I think it could be another wild season just like we got in 2020.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And, Jackson, do you have a pre championship preview for us?
0: Absolutely. Well, like like Evan said, the Los Angeles Lakers are old as dirt. But those old as dirt players uh, are pretty good if you ask me. Well, some of them. I will say this. Every – Every time Russell Westbrook, the past, what, three, four years, every single time he's played with a star, they've been an MVP candidate. Think back to OKC with Paul George, top three in MVP votes. Then he plays at Washington. Bradley Beal, what, top four, top five in MVP boat, votes? MVP plays in Houston. Uh, James Harden, top five in MVP votes. Wherever he goes, he just makes everyone else better around him. And that's why L.A. went in the ship. And I don't know if it's going to be the Nets or Bucks in the Eastern Conference. Or that's who I have in the Eastern Conference. But I don't know which one I'm going to pick. As of right now, with the Kyrie situation, I'm going to take the Bucks and the Lakers in the finals. But if you told me the Nets sweep the playoffs, I would believe
1: you. Yeah, well, I'm right there with Jackson. I'm going to go ahead and say my preview. I I went with the Bucs, Lakers as well, and I'll probably take the Lakers to win it all as well. Just because, like he said, adding Russell Westbrook's huge to this team. I understand LeBron's aging, but he's still really, really good. a top five player in the NBA. And Anthony Davis, while he has his health problems, when he's healthy, he's a top three player in the league. He just has to find a way to stay healthy. So that's gonna be my preview. Noah, do you have us one?
0: Yeah, I'll make it uh,
1: short and sweet. The Nets beat the Lakers in six. All right. He went the easy way out. All right. But Evan, do you have any more on NBA?
0: Watch out for the what was I gonna say? Watch out for the watch out for the Warriors. That's what I was gonna say. Watch out for the Warriors. That team could be sneakily good. I don't think they're championship good like they were. But Clay Thompson coming back, Andre Iguodala coming back, another year of what seems like prime Steph Curry. Um, Andrew Wiggins is still out there. Um, Jordan Pool's per- looked masterful this preseason. Look out for the Warriors. They definitely could be a top five, top four seed in that West and make some runs.
1: Well, I like the additions as well. Of Moses Moody and was it Jonathan Kaminga who was their second draft pick?
0: The two best picks in the lottery. Thank you. You get a, yeah. a James Wiseman. You know, it yeah. really takes for two years to just add three great players to an all star cast. Don't forget about Iguadala. Yeah, what Jackson said. All right. Well, let's jump into some
1: college football real quick. The first thing I want to talk about is Georgia wins handily over the Wildcats. You know, Kentucky caught a. Late time out there to make it a little closer than it probably should have or was. Is a 30-13 to 13 win. Stetson Bennett looked good again. What are your thoughts on that game?
0: Well, I'd like to begin my segment on the Georgia Bulldogs. If you don't have Jordan Davis on your Heisman ballot, you should immediately throw out your Heisman ballot. Jordan Davis is a freaking monster. He's the best defensive player in the country. I don't care what stats he has or doesn't have. The dude will kill any defensive player you want to put next to him. I understand defensive players don't win the Heisman, but if the Heisman is truly the best player in the country, Jordan Davis has to be at that ceremony. He blocked two kicks alone Saturday, had multiple tackles for loss. He pressured Will Levis every time the dude took three steps back. Jordan Davis was everywhere on the field as someone who was at the game, he is just a monster. I would like to begin with that. Second, Kentucky is a piece of trash for calling that late timeout. I understand that you're trying to create some what do you want to call it? Fire and say that you can play with this team, you know, trying to score for your boys. There's one second left. You're down by 23. You don't call the timeout. It was a little crappy, you know, maybe not classless, but it was a little crappy. So that's a bit it looked really good. Thankfully, you, this was the first game all year. I feel like you got out without any injuries. The dogs keep rolling. We go into the bye week trying to get healthy, and we set up a great matchup with Florida and Jacksonville in two weeks. Couldn't be prouder of the team this past weekend. Stetson had a couple questionable throws, but then he immediately would create with a dart, you know, or a 30-yard ball that was perfectly placed. Him or JT can take control of this team um, and lead them to a national championship, I feel like. I'm just very – this is one of the first games where I left the stadium and felt we might have something here.
1: Well, I'm going to disagree with one thing you said. Look, I'm the biggest Jordan Davis fan
0: there is, and I'm a
1: Florida fan. I think he's an absolute freak of nature. I think he should go really high in the NFL draft. He reminds me a lot of Kenny Clark for the Packers, but I don't think he should be on Heisman ballots. I'm going to say for two reasons. One, the stats like you said. But two, Jackson, was it you that told me he only plays on thirty percent of Georgia's defensive stat? Uh, defense the Noah. He only plays on thirty percent of Georgia's defensive snaps. I don't think a Heisman should do that. Now, look, he is a freak of nature, like I said. I'm a huge Jordan Davis fan. Love the kid. He's a great player. But just you only play thirty percent of snaps on one side of the ball. I don't think you can be considered for the award.
0: Well, well well, that number might be true. Uh, the last two games that I saw of Arkansas and Kentucky, he had to be out there for at least 60% of the plays at least.
1: Well that well, it was before the Kentucky game he said it, but that's that's what the stat was. All right, well let's jump into another topic. Alabama bounces back. Bryce Young goes for 348 and four touchdowns in a 49-9 win over Mississippi State. This is the Bama team we expected to see this week. It's also the team we expect to see at A&M as well, though, and we did not get it. Do you think this Alabama team has woken up?
0: Eh, uh, I don't know. It's Mississippi State. They're pretty pitiful.
1: Oh, I agree. But I'm just saying it was a 17-point line at Mississippi State. People expect to be a little closer than this. We had it as one of our locks. We knew this Bama team would bounce back, and they did in a big fashion.
0: Yeah, I- I think all things considered, we kind of knew Alabama was going to roll, and and Saban expect you know Saban probably gave those kids hell for a week, so everyone in that locker room knew they were going to roll. The question becomes in two weeks, where they got to play at Arkansas, or they got to play at Auburn, or they got to play at LSU, or they got to play someone who's a little bit more competitive than the Bob beaters that Mississippi State is. Can they do the same thing?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. All right, well, the next thing, uh, Ole Miss hangs on in a messy ending against Tennessee. Matt Corral looked phenomenal, while his passing stat line may have not been the best. He also ran. He had two touchdowns, but he did throw his first pick of the year. So, Matt Corral and Bryce Young kind of seem to be in this Heisman race one and two right now. So, what are your thoughts on that game? You know, with the Tennessee fans throwing the trash on the field at Lane Kiffin very classless, but what are your thoughts on that game?
0: I mean, I think Ole Miss proves that they're the second-best team in the SEC West. I think there's no question, you know, really there. I think Tennessee – see, this is the saddest thing about the whole game. Tennessee proved that they were a legitimate team. They proved they could hang with some of the biggest people in the country. They proved that they could hang with an immaculate offense. Their defense could get stops when needed. You know, they proved – they went right down to the wire. You know, with the number 13 team, number 12 team, I can't remember exactly what they were ranked, in the country. And this game will completely be overshadowed by the classless, just stupidity of the fans. You know, one, who brings a golf ball to a game? Two, they're going to throw it at Lane Kiffin. Three, if you're going to throw it, at least hit him. Come on now. Four – Continue to throw things after cops are in the stands pulling you out. The dance team has to leave. The band leaves. The cheerleaders leave. The flag team leaves. The only people left on the state on the stand, I mean on the sidelines, is the two teams. You've got to pump in Rocky Top now to try to get your team right because you don't have a band to play it. You continue to throw things. The literally the game management staff throws the student section up. The top road. They decide they're going to run over to where the band was and go all the way down to the front row. I mean, it was just an awful, awful scene in Knoxville. Completely stupid. People continue to throw things as the team left the field. There's no reason for any of that, and it just it's a horrible look for the university, a horrible look for the football team, and a horrible look for Josh Heifel and his staff. Yeah,
1: I totally agree. And there's one more thing I want to touch on in this game, though. Ole Miss is a really, really good football team. Uh, me and Noah were talking about it earlier today, and we were just ranking our top ten teams. Like, just kind of who would win head-to-head at a neutral side, not who should be ranked, you know, three, four, five, whatever. Just who are the best teams top to bottom. And we both had Ole Miss at seven, I'm pretty sure. I think this Ole Miss team is a really, really good team, especially offensively. And Matt Crow should be the number one quarterback in this draft next year. The next thing I want to talk about is Iowa gets knocked off. They were at home against Purdue, lose twenty-four to seven in a very ugly game. What are your thoughts on that one?
0: I was fake. We knew they were fake after the Penn State game. It only took us a week to find out. Um, just an awful loss for Kirk Fritz and his team. Kind of ruins their playoff now because if they can lose to Purdue. They're not. They're not touching Ohio State or whoever comes out of the East. Just another, you know, casualty, but it's another win for Cincinnati. I mean, I think this whole season has been subtle victories. Cincinnati's won more off the field than they have between, you know, the pots. I mean, look at this. They get Alabama to lose. They get Ohio State to lose early. They get Oregon to lose. They get the Big 12 to practically implode behind Oklahoma and Ohio State. They beat Notre Dame on the road. They're, the AAC, you know, produces some good teams but not good enough to compete I mean, Cincinnati is poised to make a run to the college football to be the first group of five team to make it. And I think Iowa's loss is just another – really another staple in that, that it's a victory for – excuse me, Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, it seems like it. And I'm going to jump into another playoff contender now. And it is Oklahoma <laughs> dominates TCU under Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams impressed in his first game as a starter. Went for 295 and four touchdowns. Also had a 41 yard rushing touchdown as well. This Oklahoma offense was the one that we expected to see under Spencer Rattler that we did not get. TCU's a really good football team and the line was about 13. They ended up winning by 21. So what are your thoughts on this new Oklahoma team?
0: TCU's awful. Like <laughs> they're just atrocious. So like I I need to see. The biggest thing was is how Caleb Williams do in Bethel? Because Oklahoma State just beat Texas after Texas should have beat Oklahoma. So the real question will be, how can Caleb Williams perform against a good team? Because I think Oklahoma State's a really good team. And I think the winner of that game will probably have to beat the team they beat in Bedlam, probably the Big 12 championship game. I think we had two iterations in Bedlam. But I, I don't feel confident about either of those things. Like, yeah, Oklahoma's probably going to make the playoffs. But outside of Cincinnati, I think they get blown out by a Georgia, an Alabama, or an Ohio State. Because Oklahoma's defense is not good. It's just not. And their offense is very powerful under Caleb Williams in that one shot we saw. But, like, Ohio State is a really good defense. Alabama's got a pretty good defense. Georgia's probably the best defense in the country. So none of those – Oklahoma does not scare me when it comes to the national championship contention.
1: Yeah, I agree. Maybe not with the national championship, but you know, two, three weeks ago, we didn't see this team as a playoff contender exactly just because we didn't see that firepower. I think we may get that firepower now under Caleb Williams. And the next thing that I'm going to talk about, a little sadder subject for me, Florida has an embarrassing loss at LSU, and I'm going to say one thing. We have to make changes now. I'm going to go on a little rant right here. Look, Dan Mullen does not need to go. All F- Florida fans on Twitter and everywhere else are calling for his job. I don't understand that because I keep asking, who are we going to realistically hire that is better coach than Dan Mullen? I've not got a single answer that I like at all. I, yes, you may could say Luke Fickle. I kind of like that. But I honestly think if Dan Mullen was let go, we would go after Brian Johnson, our offense coordinator, from last year. And I don't think that's an upgrade at all. But, look, changes do need to be made. Todd Grantham has got to go. His contract's up at the end of the year. I don't see any way he's back next year. I think he needs to go now. You're going to wait till the end of the year. That's fine. Our linebacker coach needs to be gone. Our offensive line coach needs to be gone. You need to bring in recruiters. You need to bring in people with firepower. I was watching some a clip of some Dan Mullen interviews. Twenty eighteen, he had it was we lost a bad game to Missouri. But he goes into the press conference and just is very powerful, emotional, like really trying to rile up the team and it ended up working. Twenty nineteen, kind of the same thing. Twenty twenty and twenty one have seemed to be a lot different Dan Mullen that we've seen. We've not seen that fire in him. And I think we need to get that fire back. Does Dan Mullen need to go? Absolutely not. Changes need to be made. We've got to get some better coordinators. We've got to recruit better. And I am going to say one thing. If I do see Emory Jones roll out against Georgia as our starter, I will start calling for Dan Mullen's, Jones, M- Dan Mullen's job. That, that will just throw me overboard. Anthony Richardson looks so much better. While, yes, he will have plenty of growing pains, especially against that Georgia team. I know if if Anthony Richardson starts against that Georgia defense, he will probably look absolutely stupid. But he's the better quarterback. He has so much more potential. He's the quarterback of the future. You've got to roll with him. Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yes. I agree with you. Dan Mullen doesn't need to go – you know, objectively. He's done a very good job with the Florida program. I told you Todd Grantham should have never been hired. I, I dealt with Todd Grantham when he was at Georgia. <laughs> um, you know, and three, the offensive line looked very underwhelming. The linebackers, underwhelming. The defensive action, you know, had some growing pain. Florida's, you know, arguably deep, you know. The wide receivers looked good, and Emory, but Emory just geez, but I, But I, I don't think they're going to make that change. Yes, you do get a bye week, so if this was going to be the time to make a change, it is now. But I don't think Dan Mullen's going to live. I think Dan Mullen's live and die by Embry. I think Anthony Richardson's going to get a lot more playing time, but I don't think he's going to start Anthony Richardson just because he doesn't want Anthony Richardson's first game to be against that Bond to Georgia defense. And I might be wrong. Anthony Richardson definitely gives you a better chance to win. I'm scared of a Florida team with Anthony Richardson at quarterback than Embry Jones. Um, But I'd like to point out, and not that this makes any logical sense, but me and Bryson will definitely understand this, and Georgia and Florida, like, true fans will understand this too. There is nothing more common in the Georgia-Florida rivalry than one team being really good, the other team being really shitty, and that shitty team going in and ruining that other team's team.
1: Absolutely. I was there at the 2014 game. Y'all were ranked nine. We were unranked. We went in there and ran for almost 400 yards on y'all and won by 18. And it's been flipped many times the other way. Yeah. I, I don't see that happening this year, especially if Emory rolls out at quarterback. But like I said, if Anthony Richardson starts, while he probably will look so stupid, he'll probably turn the ball over two or three times, but he he gives the offense so much more explosiveness. He's a While Emery is a really good runner, Anthony Richardson's a bigger guy, and he runs faster than Emory. But he just seems to process defenses a lot better than Emory does. Now, if you watch the LSU game, at the end of the game, he made a stupid uh, interception. And that's just the growing pains we're talking about. You know, he ended up saying in the press conference, that's a play I can make in high school, and I have to realize that I can't make that in college anymore. And that's true. And that comes along with these growing pains. But you have to throw him out there against the Wolves and, and see how he does against Georgia, in my opinion. The next thing I do want to talk about is Ed Orgeron is out at LSU. And me and you were talking earlier. So who do you think should be the coach at LSU? Should be or I want to see. Should be and then – well, I guess whatever you were saying earlier. All right.
0: The coach that should be the coach is Joe Brady. There's no question. It's the obvious answer. You pay that dude whatever he wants to come back and lead you like he did in 2019. I don't care if Ed Osharman was the head coach. Joe Brady led that team. Joe Burrow will tell you that, in private at least. The, anybody on that team thing. Joe Brady's team from top to bottom. All right. More than likely, he's not coming back. I'd love to see a wide range of people. I'd love to see Gus Malzahn come from UCF. I'd love to see Mel Tucker get a shot, you know, after he leaves, uh, if he leaves Michigan State. I know you're infatuated with Billy Napier. I think Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina is the better group of five coaches. I mean, if you could pull Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, absolutely. There's talks of getting Kevin Stubborn. There's talks of getting Hugh Freeze. There's talks of getting Lane Kiffin to leave Ole Miss. I mean, there's so many Power Five guys. that I even saw a report that Dabo Sweeney might come. I I don't think that's true. But, I mean, there's a lot of hype around this LSU job. It should be Joe Brady. And if it's not, I think – is Mel Tucker. Well, who do you think it will be? I think it will end up being either A, Joe Brady, or they'll probably go get a group of five coach, and I think that group of five coach will either be Jamie Chadwell, uh, Gus Malzahn, or Billy Napier.
1: Okay, well, the three names that I said it should be, I threw out Joe Brady. You know, I kind of had this, like, main crush on Joe Brady. I love what he did with that offense. We're on a flag football team. We've incorporated a ton of his route concepts into our routes. And I just think he's doing a great job in Carolina as well. And while I think he should be the coach there, I think he's in line for an NFL job very quick. So I don't think he's going to come back. Luke Fickle another name that we both said. Cincinnati coach. Great coach. I think it would be a great hire. think he'd do great things there. I don't know if he leaves Cincinnati right now. Kind of like you said a couple weeks ago with, You know, them joining a big conference coming up. I I don't know if he leaves that job quite yet. The last name that I think it should be is Kellen Moore, the offense coordinator for the Cowboys. He's leading arguably the best offense in the NFL. And while, once again, he may be in line for an NFL head coach job coming up, I think he would do great things there, run a great offense, former Boise State quarterback. I think that would be a great fit as well. But I think it will be Billy Napier coach for Louisiana Lafayette. I just think, you know, the ties with the state of Louisiana, you know, the young, just fiery coach, I think he'll be able to recruit well there. I think it'd be a good fit. And I just see that happening. Yeah,
0: and while Billy Napier probably is the top line I'd love to see Gus on get another shot because of his offensive higher power. With an already vaunted defense that LSU is known for, LSU lives and dies kind of by their offense. And I think Gus Malzahn can make that more of a continual thing versus a every other three years, you know, type of run. And I think Jamie Chadwick, Coastal Carolina, is a very underrated coach. I mean, he took an awful program and has turned them into a top 15 team consistently. This is two years now that the Changeliers have done this, you know, without fail, without problems. They're still defeated just like they were last year until the end. Coastal Carolina is going to do really good, and Jamie Chadwell is going
1: to have his phone ringing eventually. All right. Well, let's jump into the NFL real quick. And there's one thing I want to touch on right now because the Titans just beat the Bills in a very, very good game. And that was the last point that I had made on my NFL part. And I said the Bills-Titans game should be a fun one tonight. Well, it was very fun. Trust me, Derek Henry went off for 146 and three touchdowns as he proves that he's the most valuable player on the <laughs> Titans. I'm talking to you, Noah. Yeah, he's the most valuable player on the Titans, and they win 34-31 in a quick, close game against the Bills. What are your thoughts on that one?
0: The Bills are, are a mystery to me, you know? I mean, they play well, and then they lose close games they shouldn't lose, and then they win big games they shouldn't lose. Look bad against teams they shouldn't look bad against. And they look good against teams they shouldn't look good against. I mean, the Bills are just such a confusion. I'm a big believer in this Bills team. I called for Josh Allen to lead the super many years ago that you had that I hope you know turns out right. Um I just so Derek Henry is having a monster season. He's on pace for the MVP, offensive player of the year, whatever you want to give to him the bills i'm just more worried about the bills because the bills this is their year they should be afc champions there should be no one close to them and then they're just playing down the competition it seems like
1: yeah i agree with that and the next thing i want to talk about is a team who picked up their first win on sunday morning trevor lawrence looked really really good and impresses in their first win he goes for 319 and a touchdown so what what are your thoughts on that one
0: well, I'm really glad he can look good against his future home stadium. You know, that's always a great thing to do. Um, my biggest thing is I'm glad the Jags broke their losing streak. The Dolphins are awful. The Jags are awful. Jags haven't won on American Soul in over 400 days. We'll figure it out as the week goes on. The game's kind of a wash. I am glad that Trevor Lawrence did look better. They really needed that win after, you know, the tumultuous, you know, couple past weeks with Urban Meyer. So, just – Good win for the city, good win for the team, good win for the soul and morale, but I don't think it's
1: anything, you know, for more to come. Yeah, I agree. I just kind of want to touch on that just because Trevor Lawrence finally looked good. He'd been struggling all year, but he looked really good that game. The next thing I want to talk about is former Georgia Bulldog Matthew Stafford impresses in huge fashion over the Giants. He had 251 yards and four touchdowns in a 38-11 to win. But I want to talk on one thing. Why is Daniel Jones in the game with three minutes left, down 35, after he just barely could walk off the field because of a concussion last week? That was what Mike Greenberg was talking about this morning on uh, his show. He said that that was a fireable offense by – what's his name? Joe Judge. I love Joe Judge, but that I thought I did. But I kind of agree. That was a very dumb move. So, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a head-scratcher. I mean, I get that you want to you wanna say that you never want to show your team that, you know, we're quitting on this game, you know, play to the final whistle. And Joe Judge talked about that in his opening press conference that we both were infatuated with. Still, with the injury history, with the no chance for morale. I don't think anybody would have had against him as the backup quarterback right out there and took a few snaps. I don't even know who the bag of quarterback in New York is right now. But Daniel Jones, you know, Matthew Stafford is just bald. Like I said, he would. I know someone over there in your apartment likes to believe that Matthew Stafford is overrated. But Noah,
1: once again, wrong with another take. Do you think Matthew Stafford's not uh, very good? I think he's overrated. Yeah, there you go. He yeah. just said it again.
0: But that's okay. You know, Matt will keep it wrong. And, and right now, I think it's Rams,
1: Packers, Cowboys for the NFC title with the Bucks. you know, probably leading. Yeah, I agree. And the next thing I want to talk about is the Ravens shockingly pummel the Chargers as the defense dominates up front, led by led by Calais Campbell, Justin Matabuke, and at linebacker, Patrick Queen and Justin Houston. Justin Houston's a Georgia boy. Uh, Patrick Queen from LSU, you know, the young player, looked really good. Matabuke and Cleas Campbell looked really good up front. That do, that defense just dominated with physicality against a really good Chargers offense led by Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, many other playmakers, Jalen Gotton, Jared Cook, and they've held them to six points. So what were your thoughts on that one?
0: Yeah, the Ravens are for real. Uh, I'll go ahead and start saying it because I know some people don't want to. This team is really good. They got a legit shot to return to the Super Bowl this year. Especially, you know, Steelers aren't good. Bills are hurt. Bills are playing down the competition. Chiefs look vulnerable. I mean, AFC – I mean, not the AFC West. I mean, they just beat the crap out of the Chargers. The AFC South is awful. I don't care if KC beat Buffalo tonight. They're not good. Um, yeah. The Ravens have got a legit shot to make the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I agree. And what Harbaugh's doing there with the coaching job is great because they have 16 players on the IR right now and are still doing what they're doing. Another team that is very depleted that I want to talk about that is in trouble is the Browns. They just lost Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa for four to six weeks, and Kareem Hunt is out at least three more weeks. So they're kind of in trouble right now. They're three and three. This was a team that we expected to be a lot better. Baker Mayfield does not look like that quarterback that we expected to see this year making strides. So, what are your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns?
0: I mean, yeah, Baker's hurt, too. I mean, there's a chance he doesn't play Thursday. I mean, we might have to start Case Keenum. you know, in that Thursday night football game. There's a lot of things wrong with them. And even though, you know, injuries seem to be derailing, even when they've been fully healthy, they just don't look the same team that we saw. I don't don't know if, you know, playing in full stadiums is getting to them. I don't know if the pressure is affecting their play, but they just don't look like the same carefree win-now team that the Cleveland Browns were at the end of last season.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And while we've never been exactly Cleveland Brown believers, we expected to see that step this year and, you know, see them win 11, 12 games, make a playoff run. And I don't think we're going to get that this year. The last thing that I want to talk about is this Cowboys offense is absolutely legit. The defense still needs work. Michael Parsons has looked good. Trevon Diggs leading the league in interceptions. But they still are missing quite a few pieces on the defense. But the offense is really, really good. That goes for 445 and three touchdowns. C.D. Lamb went for 149 and two touchdowns. And that was the most yards a Bill Belichick defense has ever given up. So what are your thoughts on that Cowboys
0: offense? Yeah, but this is probably the worst defense the Bill Belichick's ever had. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the, the Cowboys are proving me wrong more and more every week, but I'll continue to say I'm just not sold. I mean, the Cowboys really haven't played a phenomenal team yet. But in the NFC East, they're not going to have to. They're probably going to cakewalk to the playoffs. not going to lie there. But, I mean, once they get against the, the Packers, the Buccaneers, they're going to have to play a little bit better than what they're playing right now if they want to move past that guy.
1: Yeah, I agree. And do you have anything else you want to talk about for football?
0: Not really. Go Falcons, I guess. We didn't lose this week.
1: Hey, that's hey, always a positive. Plus. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to end, end the show with giving a hot take for the – I want all of the four of us to give a hot take for the NBA. Do you have one for us? Uh, come back. All right. Either of y'all got one yet? Yeah, I got one. All right.
0: You were talking about uh, Andrew Wiggins a little while earlier, and you were talking about uh, his contract and everything. And he's on a massive contract right now with the Warriors, and I don't think he will be playing as well as his wallet will be looking. So he will not be on the team by the end of the season. I'll say it right now. He will be traded, and the Warriors will cook up something. Okay, very interesting. All right, Noah, you got us one? I got us one, spicy one. Oh, gosh. So, Luka Doncic, he's the MVP favorite right now. He disappoints heavily and does not make an all-NBA team, and the Mavericks do not make the playoffs.
1: Okay, okay. We got two pretty (laughs) spicy ones so far. Evan, you got us one yet?
0: The Wizards are going to be good. I think Bradley Beal is going to rally around his team. I think Kyle Kuzma is going to blossom really well. I think Spencer Didwood, is going to have a phenomenal season right next to Bradley Beal. I think you're going to see some great play out of Rui Hachimura. I think we're going to see Denny Avija play really well. I think the coach that they hired is going to do great. I think the Wizards are going to sneak into the playoffs and win the play-in. Um, I think they're going to get to play a full series this year, and you're going to get to see some great young talent that the Wizards you know, have. They're going to finally turn into the people we always thought they would be.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Um, I'm going to come up with a pretty spicy one here, I think. You know, like I said, I don't follow basketball too much, so I'm kind of just going off off the wall right here. Josh Giddy wins Rookie of the Year. 6'8 international guard going to win Rookie of the Year. You heard it here first for OKC.
0: Bryson, I don't want to get political, but did you pick him because he's white? No,
1: I just I saw him on my uh I had a sleeper league draft, you know, like where it goes over the years and I saw him late in the draft, snagged him. I started looking him up. I fell in love with him. We're going Josh Giddy, Rookie of the Year.
0: I do like Josh Giddy. I, I, I do like him. I think he's a very good player and I think he could very much well win rookie of the year.
1: Well to be fair, I couldn't have told you what team he played for before my draft. But so I just want to go hot.
0: He's going to have all the playing time he needs.
1: also do want to say my hot. Well, I don't remember exactly what my hot take was last week, but either two weeks ago or I talked about it to one of y'all two. I said that Ed Orgeron would not have a job by Sunday night. And while I was kind of wrong, I was kind of right. He still does have a job, but we do know that he is fired by the end of the year. And we knew that by Sunday night. So, I kind of okay. got that one half right.
0: I'll see Kyrie Irving continues to fuse to take the va- the uh, vaccine, so he puts on a fake arm, and he gets shot in that, and then he takes it off and throws it away. That's I can see
1: I- it. it. I- I- I'm down for it. All right. Well, anybody got any closing words? Go Braves. How about both of no. Suns and, <laughs> and four. Go Braves. Chop on, baby.